Okay, Sarah, got to have a serious conversation. I'm here for you. We're opening our first Airbnbs together. We are. So we need to knock it out of the park. Yes. I'm going to admit my last Airbnbs, there were some things with my cleaning that I needed some help with, also known as I could never find the correct stainless steel cleaner. Mm. I was always toggling between brands that were on sale, like, you know, floor cleaners, bathroom cleaners. This time, I know you're the cleaning goddess, the guru. Thank you. It's going to, you know, it's a new year. I need to step up my game. And I think the cleaning is obviously that we have to knock that out of the park. Every single guest. What are we going to use? I got you. So you know that I had a long uh, career in the hospitality industry. Storied career in the hospitality industry in New York City from Irish pubs to five-star luxury hotels. And it doesn't matter what supply closet I was in. They were always Zep products. Okay. So they've been around for 80 years. They are loved in the commercial industry. So it was a no-brainer when I was starting my own Airbnb business that I would bring these products to my Airbnbs. We don't have a lot of time as hosts to turn over the spaces. So the product has to work and it has to work right the first time. Right. And they've got things from the stainless steel cleaners to the air uh, neutralizers. They don't just cover up the smell, but they will neutralize. Not offensive. It's not offensive. Okay. To floor cleaners, to upholstery. I'm telling you, all we have to do is buy all the products. Okay. Put them in the supply closet. Done. And we're going to be good to go. All right. But where do we buy these products? Literally anywhere. We've got the Home Depot, Lowe's, Menards, Amazon. Like they're okay. they're everywhere you shop. So I just want our listeners to know that Zep products are thanks for visiting approved. You're listening to the Thanks for Visiting podcast. We believe hosting with heart is at the core of every successful short-term rental. With Annette's background in business operation and Sarah's extensive hospitality management and interior design experience, this dynamic duo has welcomed more than 2,000 guests from 25 countries, earning them over half a million dollars and garnering them over 650 five-star reviews. Now they're ready to share creative ways for your listing to stand out, to serve your guests, and be profitable. Each episode will have knowledgeable guests who bring value to the short-term rental industry, or Annette and Sarah will share stories about their own experiences so you can implement actionable improvements to your own rentals. Whether you're experienced, new, or nervous to start your own short-term rental, we promise you'll feel right at home. Here are your hosts, Annette and Sarah. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another great episode of Thanks for Visiting. I am one of your hosts, Sarah Karakayan. And I am your other host, Annette Grant. And together we are... Thanks Thanks for visiting. visiting. Okay. Guess who's back? Back again. Justin's back. Wait, you do know that I have a deep love for Eminem, right? I do, but our guest is not Eminem. Justin is going to beat that, I think. it's Justin Ford. So... Listeners, if you want to check, if you haven't listened to his first episode, it's season four, episode two. This is the second episode with Justin. But season four, episode two, we kind of talked about why safety is overlooked in the short-term rental industry and why it cannot be anymore, especially to any thanks for visiting listeners. But before we get to the episode, Annette, it is time for hashtag STR Share Sunday. Yes. Let's share with our listeners this Instagram. So good. Everybody go follow now. Heart all the things. It's at the Dawson house underscore. And Dawson is D-A-W-S-O-N. 
They're located in Waco, Texas. And we all know who else lives there. And they put this in their uh, on their Instagram. They are only like two miles from the Magnolia silos. So they have an interesting, highly trafficked location. If you're not familiar with that, it's where Chip and Joanna Gaines, the HGTV stars, yes, now have their own you know, Ugh, retail own and everyone's empire. Everyone's going there. Yeah. Couple of things. Number one, you'll see it on their feed. They have a amazing front door and they even share the color, Sherman Williams Tame Teal. I think they were a little adventurous with this front door it's and good. I like it. Yeah. It's amazing. And I love that they share with everybody what the color is and they're not left wondering. I also love, so I'm on their Airbnb listing right now. They are super hosts, which is amazing. Their photos are fabulous. It's a space that anyone would love. I love that it has like a hint of Joanna, but you can also tell that Jessica um, has her, you know, touch on it too. Beautiful light fixtures, a lot of shiplap. It's so cute. So, and I love how they're just utilizing their location and Instagram to really capture those potential guests and to draw them in. And they have their own logo, which is Annette super loves cute. Logo. Yeah, it's good. All it's right. Good. So give them a follow yeah. at the Dawson House and give them all the love. And don't forget, share your own STR with us so we can share it with all of our listeners. Yes. Yeah, so I know that you know you might be listening to this podcast on any day of the week, but we will be sharing our STR Share Sundays on our Instagram feed on Sundays and then giving you love right here in the podcast where we have thousands of listeners checking in every week from all over the world. So get some love on your listing by using our hashtag. It is now time to get to the episode. Justin is back for his second episode and we're going to have him uh, as a reoccurring guest all year. And today... Justin is going to go through the eight danger zones in a short-term rental. Welcome back to the show, Justin. Hey, it's great to be back here again. Uh, it's, uh, I've missed you guys. I haven't talked to you in a while. <laughs> <laughs> We're quick to receive these. <laughs> <jokes>. <laughs> All right. So without further ado, let's start getting in to yeah. danger zones. Well, actually, I, if you guys don't mind, I just want to let the listeners, just in case they haven't listened to that episode, yeah. I want them to know that Justin is the oh, real deal. Yeah. We do need he, to get some background. He is an international vacation rental safety expert. He was um, the first to elevate awareness and safety in vacation rentals. Uh, he works at a company called Breezeway. And prior to that, Justin co-founded a vacation rental agency in Maine called On the Water in Maine and grew that company into the highest grossing vacation rental agency in New England. So he understands what it means to be a host, but he also understands why safety needs to be uh, your top concern. Um, a former former member of the U.S. Coast Guard and a firefighter for 15 years, Justin travels worldwide to share his industry expertise, and we have him here as a reoccurring guest on Thanks for Visiting. So, okay, go back to what you're talking about. I just want to let listeners yeah. know that we have a and listeners, real if you deal haven't here. listened to Justin's first episode, true to what Sarah and I, um, our message is education and then hosting with heart, and you'll see that Justin's message for safety comes from him witnessing things firsthand and him hosting with heart and caring about everyone's safety. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I encourage you to go back and listen. And that wasn't really going into tactical stuff. It was more of a storytelling episode. And then today we want to go through some tactical things that we can do and just kind of go over what those eight danger zones are in the short-term rental. And I know um, Justin has written an article uh, mm. about this. And we'll make sure to link that in the show notes, but we're going to go over and have him, you know, walk us through that today. All right, Justin, now you're allowed to talk. <laughs> now I'm allowed to talk. Yeah. You know, I'll share with you real quick the, the international part. It, it's, um, I was just in Mexico 
looking at vacation rentals down there, and they're they're a long way away from being up to standards in the U.S. Um, the building codes just aren't enforced down there like they are here. And it's interesting. I won't I won't say the name of the company, but one of the largest vacation rental online travel agencies had consulted me to go down there. And when I first started talking to them about safety, I brought up the U.S. and they said. You know, the U.S. is certainly on our radar, but right now we really need your help in Greece and Mexico. So um, when I look at safety in the U.S., and we have tremendous opportunities here, it, it frightens me, especially what I saw in Mexico. And I don't even want to know what's going on in Greece with their rentals there as far as safety goes. All right. Well, we'll, we'll do our part to make sure our listeners are, are really stepping up um, their safety game. Sounds good. So I'm going to, uh, I want to start off this episode telling you another story. Everybody always um, gets worked up by some of the stories. This is a really sad story to start things off with, but I, I hope it's impactful. I honestly believe this is the most impactful story that I can share with anybody who's renting out their home that goes over what I talked about in the first episode, and that is complacency is devastating but also understanding and being aware that people who are staying in your vacation rental, your short-term rental, are not aware of their surroundings. And the reason they're not aware of their surroundings is because they may never have experienced a dwelling like the one that um, they're going to stay in when they stay with you. So 2016, a family from actually where you guys are in Ohio went and rented a home in Maine in the off season in September. And um, they were typically used to the apartment where they lived. And they had an apartment with um, children in it where they did not have candles or matches or things like that. That just wasn't part of their lifestyle. And um, they went and stayed in this vacation rental in Maine where there was no safety in place at all. We're talking there weren't even batteries in some of the smoke detectors in the in the rental property. And they went in and assumed that everything would be as it should be because that's the way that it is supposed to be. Well, the first morning, the kids woke up and found matches in a junk drawer. Well, they'd never been exposed to them back where they lived. And so this became a new toy and they started playing with them. And unfortunately, um, they did catch a, the couch on fire, which quickly grew into a full structure fire. And by the time the parents woke upstairs, that's how fast fire can spread. The fire had already engulfed the stairways. So the only way for the adults to escape out of the house was out of the window. And uh, while the children were able to get out downstairs without any issue, ultimately, uh, grandpa and dad did not survive. And um, the reason they didn't survive was because they were notified too late that the fire had occurred because of the lack of smoke detectors. And also, um, dad was injured because the egress windows weren't set up properly in the rental property. And um, he died actually from lacerations from the glass when he jumped through the window, um, protecting his wife who did survive. So it was the wife and the two kids who survived. And it really is a huge example of. Again, um, people coming into a house and just not being familiar with it and not thinking about things that they may think about um, in their own home. Oh, my gosh. No, but th those are 
again, we're doing this to educate. Yes. And if we can save yes. um, multiple lives here, that's what we want to do. And that's something, um, you know, we could probably stop the episode right there of just the matches and the candles in the home. Um, and, and you know, do you allow children uh, to stay in your home? And if you do, you know, I... That used to happen to me all the time. People would say, I, I said I didn't have a child-friendly properties because I didn't. I had concrete floors and only showers and holes in my loft stairs. And I said, this is not a child-friendly place. And, you know, and I don't even have kids and I assume there could be a lot of danger there. So that's something, um, you know, as host, if you don't have that, you know, children in your home, things like that, that you take for granted that you would maybe leave out or have out that adults wouldn't you know, mess with or be dangerous, they can be to children. So that's the number one thing is obviously things that are in your home, but also what Justin was just talking about is, you know, how making sure everyone can exit the home if there is an emergency. So I think what yeah, which danger zone does that fall into? That might be multiple danger zones. <laughs> There's multiple dangers there, but the first and foremost thing, um, and, and that's a good lead in is number one, egress. And uh, this is a big problem with short-term rentals. Um, beds and heads, beds and heads. I hear it all the time. The more people you can pack into your short-term rental, the more money you can charge, the more money you can make. But it's very important that you understand that NFPA 101, that's National Fire Protection 101, requires a secondary mean of egress in all bedrooms. And uh, you can look this up online. We'll provide a link for this as well if, if you don't believe me. But the reality is um, whether you have a building code where you live or not, whether or not you're being inspected as you should be, no matter what it may be, you have an obligation if you're offering your home as a short-term rental that every sleeping area, and I'm talking about lofts, bedrooms, basements, they all have to have an egress someone to get out one of the the scary ones i see is a lot of times we're putting kids down in the basement putting bunk beds down there and if you don't have proper egress down there they can't get out and when you look in a lot of basements it's just a small transom window that's not even 12 inches tall that's up six seven feet and how's, how's little johnny or little beth supposed to climb all the way up there to get out when there's a fire and, and where the fire is typically starting near utilities that's where the furnace is the boiler so if you've got a, a basement that you're offering as a sleeping area in your short-term rental it has to have a walkout um window well or be able to step outside but it's got to have an opening that's at least 5.7 square feet in addition to the door that leads into that area. That's any window, any vacation rental, anywhere in the United States. It's standard across the world, 5.7 square feet within 44 inches of the floor so that somebody can get out there. And it has to be a clear open window. It can't be the only window in that sleeping area has an air conditioning unit. That's not a clear, easy access. Well, that, I'm just... I'm thinking about all the homes here in Columbus, like Justin, like there are, you know, bedroom, second, third floor, and they're just regular old windows. Like you could, I guess, crawl out of it, but there's no climbing down or you know, 5.7 square feet. So, I mean, which, how does, so how does that work? Well, so there's a couple little exceptions in there and, and I don't think it's getting too detailed to say, okay, if you're in a sprinkled property, there's an exception. So if you've got a sprinkler in your your rental, there is an exception to this egress rule. 
The other thing is with what you just said, height, if you are more, if your sleeping areas are more than 20 feet above the grade outside of that window, then and it could be a second story uh, window that has a sloping backyard or in a lot of cases, we're typically talking of a third or fourth story sleeping area bedroom. You have to have an escape ladder and they're 90 bucks on amazon.com. They have them that you can build in underneath the window. Oh, you have them in a bag that you can put them under a bed or put them oh, in a closet. Oh, okay. There has to be an Wait. escape ladder that the the renters can kind of just throw out and hang off the windowsill and climb out. Okay, so we are we got a link to that. Yeah, and can well, Justin, we'll make sure that Mostly you give so us a link. It. Yeah, link uh, <laughs> a safe one. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually rewind a little bit. Yes. Can you explain egress? Because I honestly don't really know what that is. I'm putting that out there. Oh, okay. To everybody. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. So, so egress is the the ability to get out or the areas where you exit. There's egress and ingress um in coming into. So egress is a is referred to a lot in all of the building codes, architectural design, um, and requirements and new construction. They often talk about egress. It's more commonly heard in commercial buildings. And if you've ever been in hotels and, and, and any type of commercial building, you see exit signs over doorways um, and a lot of different things that are done to make sure in a commercial setting, you are safe and know how to exit the building should there be an emergency. And there's a lot of things that go into that. But uh, when it does come to residential, under the residential building code, there is also that adoption of egress. And that is, there's got to be a way out and there's got to be two points of exit or egress for every single sleeping area or bedroom in any residential home. It's just not enforced with a single family home. If you, you have your own home and you want to turn a closet into a sleeping area, you can do that. And there's nothing illegal about that. It's your own house and you're using it for your own use. But as soon as you're you're turning it into a transient point where um, your people are paying money to come in there, it's a whole different story now. And um, that cute loft that your son grew up in and never had an incident is no longer that cute loft that you can offer to some renter's kids to sleep in because um, there's no window up in that loft or maybe the, the window isn't big enough for them to exit out of. All right. So that's number one. All right. So yeah. Two, two means of exit per sleeping area. Yes. What is the second two danger zone? Exit. We'll give you, a, we'll give all the, dimensions for everything great um, a lot of more than half of vacation rentals have some sort of gas in them whether it's propane gas or um natural gas and so if your short-term rental is using that whether it's for cooking heating anytime there's any type of gas connections you need to have those checked every year for leaks and you can call your local uh, gas company and ask them to come by I was in a short-term rental the other day where um, they decided to put in a second range because it was a bigger short-term rental. It could sleep 16 people and they were they needed two stoves to, to meet up with the cooking. And so they just put a range in and they ran the gas line through one of the cupboards. And the guests have been putting pots and pans in that one cupboard where the gas line is. And they keep shoving them in and it's bent over and now the gas line has a small leak in it. And no one knew about it. And uh, I could actually smell it when I first came into the house, but it's not all the time that you can. So just an illustration of how important it is 
just to go through. And, you know, there's a lot of videos out there and tools where you can do it yourself. They have, you know, this little, um, it's like seven bucks at Lowe's or Home Depot, this little, almost like soap that you can just wipe around the connections where it goes into your boiler or outside. And if it bubbles, call your gas company. They also have for as little as $30 on Amazon sniffers. They're electronic and they'll smell for the gas. There's a leak in it. I am a huge, huge proponent of having explosive gas detectors in short-term rentals. Um, if you do have gas appliances like um, gas stoves or gas fireplaces, they typically sell them as a combination of a, a uh, CO detector and explosive gas detector Anywhere between forty and sixty dollars. I saw a great one at, at Home Depot yesterday, and you plug that in ten feet away from the gas fireplace. I love to plug them in in the kitchen, typically uh, under the cabinets on the countertop. So if a, a, a renter who's not familiar with a gas stove might have accidentally mm. left the gas on, um, it will detect that. Um, That's that really gas Yeah, never even set off an alarm. That. That's amazing. We'll, we'll link to that too, Justin. You have a lot of homework. You gotta send us all these. <laughs> that that smart though. The, um, the, I haven't thought about that. I had neither. No. So. Okay. Uh, all, all right. right. So, num- so that's number two. Check the the natural gas and propane. All right. Number three. It's kind of segue from the other two. Yeah. Extremely important to have fire extinguishers on a- each level of the home, each level of the condo, basement first floor, second floor, and they have to be mounted on the wall. They have to be mounted on the wall. I keep going into short-term rentals where they're still in the box underneath the kitchen sink, buried in behind everything, or worse, I see them a lot of times, people set them on the countertop next to the the cooking stove, which is one of the number one source for fires in a short-term rental. So you're supposed to kind of reach through the fire to pick it up. And in, in one case we saw where the fire extinguisher itself was on fire because it was always stored next to the stove. It was covered in grease and the grease on the oh extinguisher gosh. caught on fire. Okay. So, I'm just going to play. Um, I'm, I have a question know, though. That doesn't, yeah. that doesn't, that aesthetically, I'm just going to say this. It's not going to look good hanging on the wall in every floor though. Like how do you, I know. A, a normal, a, a, I'm just saying like a residential home, they would never hang a fire extinguisher oh, well, on gonna, the wall. I want to put myself out there, Justin. Don't yell at me too much. But I do have fire fire extinguishers yeah, on all my personally owned ones. Yeah. No, I oh. have them. I put them. Is this bad? I put them in the coat closet. And it, so it says it in my welcome book where it's, it's located. Too far away. And you open the closet and it's right there. Is it hanging? Yeah, it's hanging. Okay. I don't know. Justin, you're the Justin, you tell in. us. So this is what we hear all the time. And it's funny, I talked to someone at First Alert recently about this, and they said they hadn't heard about that yet. We know it's important because if you do Google searches, you can actually find fire extinguishers that have cool labels and you can get decorator labels that go on them and look like um, an object that you might desire. But there are solutions. The reality is you're taking money in. This is now a commercial venture, whether you want it to be or not. And um, you've got to have those. You really should have them just for your own protection. You know, I've always got a story. I've got a story about uh, fire extinguishers. Okay. They're, they're probably one of the, the most industry-changing things when it comes to the short-term rentals right now in the United States is going on up in Idaho. There was a explosion that occurred as a result of a incident with a gas fireplace in a vacation rental. Um, there's a lot, big, big story behind it. 
and I'll I'll share more of that as it relates to another topic at some point. But the bottom line is, is after the explosion, four of the renters were covered with rubble in the living room from the fireplace, but they were all still alive. And a small fire started. And when the renters went to try, the one renter who was able to get out from the rubble went to try and put the fire out, could not find a fire extinguisher. And so you, they started using a bowl of water to try and dump it on the fire. And unfortunately, that just wasn't enough and it was too late and the fire ended up um, consuming and, and um, there was three fatalities as a result of that. Okay. So, so get over the, the aesthetic. Part of, <laughs> to get over the aesthetic. The big, the big part of that lawsuit um, against the homeowner of that short-term rental is the fact that it's just common knowledge, industry standard, and good good home ownership that you should have had a fire extinguisher, let alone the fact that international building code standards say you do. So yeah. if you don't like how it looks, there's right. a couple things you can do. It's okay if you want to put it in a cabinet but put a sticker on the cabinet saying there's a fire extinguisher in here. Uh, okay. Um, they also make, and again, I'm, I don't have any connection with Amazon, but I'm thinking the longer that I'm on your show, I might want to buy some <laughs> stock in it because right. I keep referring to it. But it, it's obviously just the easiest way to go. For less than $100, you can buy a cabinet that can be recessed into the wall in your kitchen, um. in your hallway, that you can put the fire extinguisher in. So at least it's flush inside of the wall and it's okay. not sticking out. Sure. As much, but as long as it's clear, there's a good, good um, indication where it is. And based on the stuff that we've seen from the lawsuits, what's referenced to, it has to be properly installed. It has to be on that bracket. Okay. So you can't, uh, it can't just have the bracket still on it in the box. That's, uh, that's not the right way to go. Can you buy? So I, I do actually have a client who has a fire extinguisher. It's not mounted, and the bracket is not attached to it. Can you buy the bracket separate? You can. Amazing. You absolutely can. Okay. It's, um, I've seen them at Home Depot and Lowe's um, and, okay. and also online. I'll get on that. Very easy to do that. Okay. Danger zone number four. <laughs> <laughs> Smoke detectors. People probably go, oh yeah, I've got that covered. Not a lot of people know what's going on with smoke detectors. And just like a dentist needs to know which tools do which things, there are different types of smoke detectors, and it's really important, I think, for everyone who ha- offers a short-term rental, let alone just anybody who lives in a home, to understand the different types of smoke detectors that are out there. There are photoelectric and ionization-type detectors. They both do different things. One is better at detecting slow smoldering fires. One is better at detecting fast flash fires, and they actually make not to be confused with a combination smoke detector, but they actually make something called a dual sensor smoke detector that detects both through photoelectric, which the smoke changes the light uh, within the, the be- light beam within the, the actual smoke detector, or photoelectric, which the ionization detects the particles. Um, so you've got both of those and can detect both ways. And that might be the right detector to have. You also might use the combination smoke detector, which also does CO. I'm not a fan of those. I think um, CO and smoke detectors should be separated in different products because there's. we'll talk more about that on CO in a minute. But the other thing to know about is that there's the biggest change in smoke detectors since 1976 coming out. Which one, if not both of you ladies, has ever had a call from a short-term runner that the smoke detector is going off 
and there's no fire, there's no smoke, and they don't know why. Right, yeah. Yep. It happens all the time. Has it, has it ever happened to you at 1 or 2 in the morning, you get that call from the renter, and they're like, what's going on? And you're like, I don't know, I just bought it. It, it. It's very common, and I will tell you a lot of fire departments are irritated by it, especially in towns where there's a lot of vacation rentals. It's coming from burnt food. It leads to people pulling the batteries out of them. There's, there's mm. a big problem with it. So mm-hmm. what happened is Underwriter Laboratories, UL, has put new standards out for smoke detectors that go into effect as of March this year, March 2020. And that is that new smoke detectors have to meet this new testing that they won't go off from burnt popcorn, burnt food. So there's a whole new type coming out and um, they're, they're just starting to hit the market now. And we'll provide some links to those through your, your website so people know what those type of detectors are. Um, it's probably good to start phasing those in in your kitchen area, especially. I'm not saying replace all your detectors immediately, but as you get new ones, you want to make sure that they're the new type. Yeah. Interesting. Great. Right. That's great. But one more important thing. Yeah. About if your smoke detector is older than 10 years old, replace it. Okay. The failure rate on smoke detectors after 10 years is over 30%. Oh, wow. So if my, my general rule of thumb, however, is if the smoke detector isn't white anymore, <laughs> It's time to get a new one. They don't make off-white smoke detectors and right. the chemicals in the, in the air that change the color of your smoke detector so that it's not white anymore. They're also doing that to the inside components. Yeah. And so um, they need to be replaced after 10 years. Yeah, that's even for our listeners, you know, in their primary residence should probably... I mean, yeah. all of us, I think, yeah. kind of go into a primary residence. Yes, you know? absolutely. All right. Up next, number five. So CO detectors are the next one. And I hear sometimes from people say, well, I don't have anything in my house that produces CO. And I said, well, do you have a garage? And they go, yeah. I'm like, then you do. If the renters can pull their car into the garage and accidentally leave it running mm. because it's a rental car and they don't know that they've turned on the remote start. Oh, just Google good. that. It happens all the time. Oh, that's I never um, thought about that. Hmm. If there's a generator at the property that might be gas or propane powered and it's near the window that's open, CO can happen. So CO detectors are extremely important. That's what that's what's all over the news. That was the Anna Ferris story of Thanksgiving, um, that there weren't CO detectors in that North Tahoe uh, short-term rental. It's critically important that you have them in there. The best kind are the digital kind. They have to be less than seven years old. They expire within seven years. Okay. Got to get a new CO detector or unlike a smoke detector, which if it detects smoke and it goes off, it still works again. CO detectors typically after they've had an incident where they've actually worked detecting some sort of CO, um, they're not as sensitive anymore. So it's probably a good idea to get a new one at that point as well. And I really like the digital readout standalone ones that mount on the wall. And the reason for that is Carbon monoxide does not weigh lighter than air. And it's not like heat. It's, that's why it's so deadly. It weighs the same as air. So it's just there. And you're much more likely to measure it three to five feet off the floor than you are if it's on the ceiling. And then is that something also that should be on every single floor, like the smoke detectors? Yes, and you certainly want to have that. Um, most states... Um, as I think I talked about in my last episode with you, I think every state but Hawaii now requires uh, CO detectors 
in residential homes, certainly you need to have them in uh, a vacation rental or a short-term rental. And it's really important to have those inside bedrooms, near appliances that produce CO in the hallway. And, and going back to what I said with the gas detectors before, it's a great opportunity to use those combination explosive gas carbon monoxide detectors. Okay. All right. I think we're on number six now. Yeah, I love this one. Emergency cards. And I'm not going to take the full credit for this idea. I'll give that to Airbnb. They kind of were the first ones that I started talking about emergency cards. What it is, is it's a, a notice. It can be on a piece of paper. You can laminate it. I make some. You can go on vistaprint.com and make it all fancy. Um, and you can use stickers. I like to put them on a refrigerator. I think that's the best location for them just because you see that's a common location throughout the industry. But even if it's on a bulletin board in the entryway, some high-profile location, and it's got to list some important stuff. Number one, the address of the short-term rental. We've seen a lot of incidents um, over the past couple of years, and especially now with this technology where people are texting the driving directions to their renter over the phone, but only to one person. What if it's the person who has all the directions on their phone and that it's the person that has a medical emergency? Oh, really good people point. need to call 911. Oh my gosh, um, yeah. So there's oh. a lot of short-term rentals don't have home phones in them because everyone has a cell phone now. And a lot of cell phones are set up in areas where there's not necessarily good triangulation to identify quickly where that person is. And so here they are on the phone going, I, I, I'm in an Airbnb. I, I don't know. We're in, we're in, uh, I think we're in Duckworth and I, my husband's having a heart attack oh, and that now is, they got to try and figure out where they are. Yeah, that is, I never even thought about, I mean, I travel a lot. Um, thankfully, my friends are the ones that normally make all the reservations, but I'm thinking I never know really I where like I am. I mean, maybe if in the welcome book, but even in the welcome book, you might have to like flip through a bunch of pages if you can even find I might the even book. add a layer to that. And in your, if you do send um, instructions, because Airbnb allows you to like press that little key icon, it'll send your check-in link instructions. In that, in that, copy you send to your guests like a few days before they arrive and also via that check-in link to say, please make sure you're sharing the address with everyone in your party in, in addition to finding it yeah. on the refrigerator and in the welcome book. Like I just think there's, you can't. The, the other part too, enough. just I know, and, and Justin, you can probably speak to this is I just know when, when an emergency, when something like that actually happens, fumbling through to get your phone and go to the Airbnb app or right. an email or try your that's the, not gonna happen. Right. If something's just right there that you can look at and talk to, I, I think, you know, the adrenaline rush is is not gonna work for you in trying to go to apps through the through cell phone and try mm -hmm. and try to figure that stuff out. So if we can make it as, as visible as possible for people when they're if they're in a distressed situation. Mm -hmm. Um that's an ex not that the other ones haven't been Excellent points, but this is something that I think all of us could do today. Yeah, even if it's handwritten on the refrigerator with a magnet oh. in case of emergency. This is the address. Danger zone one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So that's the um, no, that's a takeaway people can work stuff. on today. Yeah, and then the other stuff you want to put on there that's helpful is where's the circuit panel? They need to turn. You know, mm. if the breakers tripped, 
Okay. Where is the water shut off? Where's the gas shut off? Oh, um, where right. are the fire extinguishers? I like to list on there, you know, the fire extinguisher on the first floor is in the entry hall, the second floor is in the upstairs mm-hmm. hall. And just, you know, any other kind of critical information that they might need to know. You know, I was in North Carolina recently at a vacation rental, and uh, I won't tell you where it is because you'll never want to go stay there, and it is a beautiful area. But they've got copperhead snakes all over the place up there, and they had information right there letting guests know that weren't familiar that, you know, we do have poisonous snakes that are around the property. Be careful when you step out into the woods. And again, that type of stuff is fine to put in a book, but that's a pretty serious thing that you might want to know. And I won't tell you how many copperheads I saw, but it was a lot. So it's it's just important to to have that type of information that's anything that's critically important that as I said before could be life saving should be um in a real high profile location. Right. And I'll take this back kind of what I said earlier about the um fire extinguisher and like, oh, but it's not gonna look, you know, it's like the aesthetics of it. And I'm like, wait a second, if I'm staying there short term, I'm gonna be so much more thankful for the disruption of the aesthetic and yeah. the host thinking about my safety first, then I wish they would have put that underneath the, you know, underneath know. the cabinet. And same with like an emergency card. Maybe you have this amazing place and you think this emergency card is going to kind of like incite fear. I think if anything, it's just going to make that person that's staying in your home yeah. get over much it, more comfortable. Right. Yeah. Now that's, um, the emergency card is a great, great idea for sure. All right. We may not have this too much in our neck of the woods, but you might. I don't know if you're fancy. What's uh, danger zone number seven, Justin? So number seven and actually number eight um, are similar. These, uh, not everybody has these, but they are very popular. Uh, spas or hot tubs and swimming pools. There's been a lot of issues with, with both. Right now in the United States, according to the Consumer Protection Association, the number one cause of death accidental death for children under the age of four is drowning. And we are continuing to see a lot of drownings in vacation rental, short-term rental, swimming pools around the country. Um, you, it doesn't take much to search online to see all the news stories of all of them that occurred this year in the U.S. There was well over 40 at short-term rentals in the United States, and that's just way too many. All of them were preventable. When it comes to the hot tubs, you got to be really clear and make sure that they have a cover. And I really like the covers that have a lock, but a lot of those locks on those straps that come with the hot tub from the manufacturer, they're pretty cheap. If you're in an area where things freeze, um, they'll freeze up, they snap, they break. So really what I want your guests to think about is making sure that someone under the age of seven can't open the cover. And if that means that you're just using a cinch down strap and it's not easy to uncinch by anybody but someone over the age of seven, that's great. But we want to make sure that those hot tub covers are secure. And just like with pools, which I'll talk about in a second, that the water is being tested. We've had incidents with short-term rentals where people have been getting um, bacteria-related um, sickness, illness that have just been from the water. You know, in the state of Montana, they actually require it's state law that all short-term rentals, the hot tub water has to be changed between each renter. Oh, wow. And um, just because of incidents that have happened in that state. So that's, that's certainly to an extreme. 
But that or not. Be something that has uh, people thinking, yeah, yeah why? I don't why know. There are, there are hot tubs in some, you know, uh, nicer Vegas places that I'm like, I wouldn't get no in there way. if you paid me. Uh-uh. <laughs> but um, anyway. <laughs> okay. If so you're then, a guest and, you know, we'll talk about guests later too. I mean, that's a good question for a guest to have, you know. Yeah. When's the last is, time? When the, yeah. Oh. When's the last time someone checked the chemicals? We've seen incidents where there's been too many chemicals put in there. So hot tubs are definitely a sensitivity. If you're the the rental owner, don't be trying to do all kinds of lab work yourself to make sure you're balancing the water. If you put too much chlorine in there and it causes an incident for one of your renters, you've got a, a severe issue on your hands. Really should be handled and taken care of by professionals. But as I said, to prevent drownings, you've got to keep that cover I, I think, sadly, of the story that happened with um, Olympic gold medalist Bode Miller. He's from up here in New England, where I'm from. And um, his child got drowned, unfortunately, in one of those. And it wasn't even at the rental he was at. It was actually at a rental next door, whereas the three-year-old went over. So um, there's been some high-profile incidents that have happened with it. And we just got to pay more attention to these hot tubs. Is there anything with temperatures in hot tubs? At all? You know, I haven't gotten into that too much, but okay. certainly anything over 104 degrees is not good. Okay. And they do say if you're using, and we've talked before um, on previous episodes, you know, about proper insurance, so I'll just throw them out there. They require signage at a hot tub safety okay. warnings about temperature and, you know, people who are pregnant and if okay. you've got heart conditions, all that type of stuff. And, and that's a good idea for anybody to do that. Clearly, they're they're saying that those warnings should be there because they've paid out claims related to that at short-term okay. rentals. So I think um, I would encourage people to have warning signs up. It may seem common to you because you own the hot tub. But again, that person coming from another area that's never used a hot tub before and this is their first experience or they don't do it often, um, that safety reminder will be good for them. Sure. And then so number number eight kind of goes into seven, right? Yeah, number eight is the swimming pools. Um, you should not be offering a swimming pool at your short-term rental that is not protected from a child going to it. And in a lot of locations, uh, Florida as an example, you've got to have a gated fence that protects children from accessing it all the way around. And it's got to have that safety type gate. If it's an above ground pool, they make safety stairs and gates that go around it. You've got to make sure that a determined child who's super excited to go swimming at this short-term rental um, cannot get into that pool. There are alarms that are out there, pool motion alarms. There's alarms for doors so that you know that the door leading out to the swimming pool, someone's opened it. You've got to do whatever you can do to ensure that someone does not get out there. And then when you have the pool, Unfortunately, as we've learned from the largest lawsuit won against a short-term rental this year, $11.6 million down in Alabama, you've got to have depth markers, warning signs, information that's around that pool that's just like the pool at the Y or just like the pool at your local rec center. If you're not setting that up the same way with warning signs, depth markers, um, uh, some sort of safety harness, a life ring, all the type of stuff that a commercial pool would do, then unfortunately you're putting yourself at great liability. And to go even further, I know some of the insurance companies now are saying they don't even want to see pool toys 
provided because if you're providing toys that are, and they say it right on it this is not an approved life vest or this is not an approved life saving device if it says that on there don't leave it out for your renters to use you're just exposing yourself to liability if they if they want a pool toy they'll have to bring their own good stuff it's so good, good. Stuff. it is good yeah i mean um, what I, what i actually love about these episodes justin is i think everybody can like even all of these recommendations can be mirrored in their own, um, oh sure, in their own dwelling, which I which I love that it can be. It's like it's threefold. Like a, it can be their own personal residence. Like you know what, I don't have carbon dioxide or egress or when's the last time I looked at that smoke detector? But also, um, you know, for their guests and their short term rental, and then also us as travelers Mm -hmm. for things to be on the lookout. You know, you are going on vacation. You're like, hey. I'm in a different I'm do, zone. I'm right. not looking about safety when I'm traveling. Well, and, and now, like, I mean, after today's episode, I'm like, my number one thing from now on, wherever I'm at, A, I'm going to look at the smoke detectors just to see, like, and make sure they're not off-white. And then two, is there an emergency card or, like, do I have the address um, right there if I need it um, at any point in time? So, uh the eight danger zones, I think we can take with us um, multiple places. And we will link to um, the article that Justin wrote so you can review these danger zones and go through them one by one at your house. But I think today, everyone should be able to do the emergency card um, today and have that in their short-term rental Honestly, a lot of these aren't. They're not, I mean, you may have to plan for it to get it done this weekend, but it's something that you can do in the next few days. Nothing... And nothing that you went over, Justin, is like a huge undertaking, super expensive. Expense, right. No. It's going to be expensive if you don't do it. Another thing that I thought Pro- was great. Yeah, probably probably just the egress window. And, oh, and, yeah. and I, I, would, I would urge you, if you do have a sleeping area right now in your short-term rental mm, or bedroom out. area that, that doesn't mean that, meet that standard, you need to lock the door to that sleeping area or bedroom until you do. And you can, if it's a basement, you can, um, there's, I've seen videos online in a day, a good contractor can come in with a small excavator, dig out, put the window well in and uh, cut the concrete and install that window. So, I mean, it's not massive and it's probably the cost of one or two weeks rental to do that. Yeah. But again, if that's probably the biggest undertaking you might have to take if you're, if you're not meeting that required standard for egress, but everything else here is uh, less than a hundred dollars to address. Yeah. yeah. And the, like the escape ladders were an oh, excellent. I'm, I'm literally going to buy them tonight. Idea. Yeah. So, so good. Justin, thank you so much. This is not the last time that you'll be on a thanks for visiting episode. And we just want to thank you in advance for sharing all your expertise. But I know that you know this, but you're saving lives, the more people you can reach. So we just really appreciate you and your time. Yeah. So Justin, will you, um, you. if it's uh, new listeners, uh, where can, where can they find you, follow you online or reach out to you? Yeah. Justin Ford on LinkedIn. Um, Certainly, uh, I mark it under um, kind of the standard that we set, which is dwell safe. So if you go to Facebook or Instagram and you follow dwell safe, or even if you look up the hashtag vacation rental safety, you'll find me. I use that hashtag a lot in social media and uh, you can find your way back to me through that hashtag. I need you to start short-term rental safety too and we'll just we'll just do both of them yeah yeah so good <laughs> that's a good idea yeah yeah no all right all right awesome well justin thank you so much for being on our show and listeners uh, again uh download 
download this checklist uh, and take a look at your space. And then we'll have Justin on for another episode soon. Yeah. I'm Sarah Karakayan. I'm Annette Grant. And together we are Thanks Thanks for for visiting. Visiting. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Thanks for Visiting podcast. Head on over to the show notes for this episode at thanksforvisiting.me. If you're looking to take your listing to the next level and show your guests how much you care, be sure to check out our line of thoughtful hosting products from hosting checklists to custom mugs to toilet paper stickers. We've got you covered. And if you love our show, remember, sharing is caring. Please hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. Awesome reviews help us bring you awesome content. Thanks for tuning in and we look forward to hanging out with you next week. Thanks for visiting.